0: Yeah.
1: Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissonant thought meets melodic, euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Mr. Odell yes. Norman. Can what you believe it? On? I'm excited about today's. I mean, I'm excited about every episode but no, i'm but this, super excited about tonight's episode
2: yeah this one's a little different so uh no i've been i i yeah this is one of those and it's it's sort of weird <laughs> to be this giddy but i i am a little giddy about uh this, to use that word if you will
1: you're not gonna go like new kids on the block tween on us. no
2: i won't be doing that there won't be any passing out or fainting or any of that but I am sitting in a chair, so um, if I do black out for a second, don't mind me. Buy sciatica. Keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't throw your hip out, old timer.
1: <laughs> and I've got to thank you, too, because you actually turned me on to this band about six months ago, and it yeah. has been in my regular rotation. <laughs> like, anytime I, I'm listening to music, I can't escape a couple Skating poly songs coming up.
2: The, the, the beautiful thing about technology, man, I was listening to... Um, I think it was screaming females, and you know how you just put it on and uh, on like Google Play. I think I had it on Spotify, and they were in there. And I was like, "Whoa, hold on!" I heard a song from them, and of course, you like it, and started listening. And I started going back, and then you know what I do, Nick? I then all of a sudden I'm like, "Dude, check them out! Dude, check them out!"
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a fan. We'll probably have to get on here soon as well. Yeah, I think we're trying yeah, to
2: so. work that out as we speak. But no, they were on there, and I and I've I've been in love with them ever since
1: right on another thing um you know i've been doing that same intro forever and we're rapidly approaching the 100th episode i think I once we hit episode 100 i think i'm gonna have to <laughs> change the format up a little and maybe have another intro
2: because
1: <laughs> it's hard to like gin it up and get it all exciting because i've said it 89 times now
2: <laughs> but it's it's cool i like i like here in charm city so it's funny that's like a being from baltimore that's Some Baltimore people are like, "Okay, Charm City, because you would see it in a lot of advertisements and and uh, billboards. So it used to be a really like, yeah, we're from Charm City, but um, I still like it. So uh, don't throw me off by don't throw me off by changing it up too much now. You're like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) I mean,
1: it's not as catchy as Meth Mountain, but, you know, it is. No.
2: We need a T-shirt. We need to figure out how we can get Meth Mountain and Charm City on a T-shirt, and and and, and intertwine those things <laughs> for musical aspects. Like me
1: and you facing off. Yeah, and like I could have Meth like Mountain Ball- Man and Charm City Radical or something.
2: Yeah, we could have like the 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 uh like you know the mountain landscape on one side with like <laughs> like the Breaking Bad RV in the background or something, and then. You know <laughs> then the all your boxers
1: have like the- I'm not going to be out of my tidy whities with a gun <laughs> boxers. So don't count on that imagery. did yeah. uh, can, can I get political here for a second cuz I want to clear oh. something I put on the fucking music page. Oh, okay, I,
2: I thought you were talking about Trump today.
1: <laughs> well, I mean it's kind of Trump adjacent, right? So Greta yeah. Thunberg, which is this autistic, she's on the spectrum, 16-year-old activist. She yeah. comes out, and she's you know, she's obviously concerned. And I always say, dude, uh, being a man in his 40s, a middle-aged man, mm-hmm. I still I can't wrap my head around how millennials and younger, how young people haven't gone fucking children of the corn on us yet. Because we fucking <laughs> deserve it. And I see these people coming out, these younger people coming out, and fighting and speaking out. And it just warms my heart. And then I see the hate they get. And all this crazy, like, they work for the deep state. And oh, I got gosh. into it with this guy, I, I made the mistake of engaging somebody online. And I got into it because he was like, this is the, the UN deep state's agenda. And I was like, oh, the deep state uh, is UN now? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they use climate change laws to take away our rights. And I said, well, well what rights specifically... Is the UN trying to take from you by passing climate change legislation? And he was like, You need to get woke. I'm not here to give you a fucking history lesson. And oh, I was boy. like, Well, that you would think you would want to tell me if you had this information. Wouldn't you want to tell me?
2: Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's one of those things. It's, it's they follow suit of what, like today, I like I said, I don't want to get too much into it, but I would I had just gotten home when, uh, uh, Trump's uh, comment or speech thing, it wasn't even a speech, uh, came on this afternoon. Stream of I'm conscious thinking,
1: narcissistic rambling, is that what you meant? Yes,
2: saying? it was freaking, it was like, what the heck are you talking, I mean, it was one of those things, I don't know if you remember, like when you were in school and you had a type of paper and you needed to make it 500 words, <laughs> and, and yeah, and it was like, okay, I have 330 words, I need, you know, 150, you know, 170 more. Um, how am I gonna get there? And then you just start saying the most idiotic stuff. And, and I'm sitting here like, this is our president. This is the president of the freaking United States, making no sense, not answering any questions, blaming everybody else. And 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 his and that's what unfortunately, that's what his suitors are. So when you get into those confrontations on online, that's all it is. It's the same thing. Everybody else has that But they're is saying such
1: horrible, hateful stuff and I'll say oh, it yeah. on air, and I'm sure I don't have to because I'm sure none of these people listen to the show anyways, just because of the type of bands we have on. But I put right. up on the music page and I put something similar up last year when people were going after David Hogue and all the kids that were speaking out that survived yeah. the mass shooting in um, Parkland. And I was yep. like, look, if you're the type of scumbag who would insult belittle or attack a, a child, children, like any Anybody under what I consider 21 and adult, um, mm-hmm. if you're going to attack people, like we don't want you as fans. Like if I met yeah. some hardcore Trump dude, he was like, I love your show. Like I would be embarrassed. I was like, dude, how does this dude connect with me? Like, oh, right, right. like why? what am I saying that this dude's getting something out of? You know, right. like so and like I said, I don't want to get too into the political weeds. But if any of those types of people are listening, that's not someone I'm, we don't need fans that bad where I need someone who's going to attack a uh, 16 year old on the autistic spectrum for just not wanting the earth to burn up in a fucking fireball before she's my age,
2: which we are going straight to that <laughs> here now. So it's like, you know, it's, 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 um, it's unbelievable, man. And it's, that's the, that's what you get with the, the you know, the internet. That's what you get with social media. You have that power it, for good and bad, unfortunately, but you know, people are, as they call them, you know, uh, yeah. I could Warriors, do a 10 man. hour Tough episode. Guys behind the t- yeah. Yeah. You could go all day. That's why it's one of those things when you talk to, you know, entertainers or athletes and it's like, never, you know, don't read the comments, man. Cause that human nature takes over. You, you know, I always related back to, uh, was the Jay and silent Bob strikes back. I don't know if you ever saw that, but like when they, when they had all the reviews of their movie and they were able to print out like all the copies of that and they went to door to door and beat everybody up that, uh, called them you know called their movie trash or whatever yeah it's like like a fantasy of of mine
1: well i mean (laughs) and i put it up on the page too i was like just so you know this isn't keyboard warrior tough guy talk inbox me your phone number and i'll be glad to call you and have a conversation yeah i
0: I will call you
1: one-on-one okay so coming up on the show man october dude let me tell you opera singer stephanie williams um who else do we have coming up on oh, that we have a halloween episode the halloween
2: up. episode yeah Jeff
1: smith from the hickleweights mike odd from um max sabbath max
2: sabbath
1: um bonnie's calling back from Death lloyd kaufman's yeah well lloyd kaufman's doing the tin can show we're doing the next night along with our buddy matt guyler who people know is a dancing yeah Pumpkin That's guy, true. Rachel Maggerson, yep. Dana Barnum, who's a descendant of P.T. Barnum and runs um, Barnum Entertainment, Greg Turner from Angry Samoans, Katie McKell. Uh, did I say opera singer Stephanie Williams? Did I get everybody yep. Author Moon? I, it's going to be I a
2: think, crazy month. Yeah, it's going to be a great October. Great October.
1: And it's my daughter's birthday and it's Halloween. D, yeah. um, how's our costumes coming along? We were going to go as a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich and a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh, is that what we decided? No, that's what we originally <laughs> oh, said we were going to okay. do. Like, we figured... Oh, really?
3: Yeah, because it... yeah, now... I haven't started
1: them. Irrelevant, but now we're going to go as like the Zoltar machine and whatever the female counterpart of yeah, the Yeah, I don't
3: know if I can find two big boxes like that, though. I-, I know I can get one, but all the all the big boxes are gone from my office. I don't. I haven't started. Oh, God. I'm going to be Taco Bell. I'm. I'm just gonna get a bunch of taco papers from Taco Bell, and I'm gonna put them on my.
1: I'm not doing Zoltar. Dress. If you're not doing the counterpart, we have to well, do a no. couple. We'll
3: see. <laughs> anyway, it's gonna be crazy. Oh, and also next month is our 10 year
1: anniversary. So.
2: Woo <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. What is there 10 you years? Go.
1: It's 10 years, and what's well, not diamonds? What's 10 years?
2: It's gotta be, be probably
1: silver sterling. Buy me Nickel. whatever I want.
3: I don't. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, nowadays, like it's probably like iPhone, <laughs> Bitcoin. Yeah, pictures of Bitcoin. <laughs> <It's> a big... <laughs>
2: yes, we, do, right. we just we just did our twelve year last weekend, the last Saturday. So, time flies, man. Yes,
1: I know, man. It doesn't seem like your wedding was that
2: long ago. I know, I know. Wait, it, right, right. there's the another thing
1: about our group of friends too <laughs> yes. that's unusual. Our group of friends that have that have all gotten married, and it's kind of like they've all gotten married within other friends of the group. You knew Susan for years, and yep. things like that. Um, most of them are still married. Very low yeah. divorce rate in our circle of friends.
2: That, that's good. Except stuff,
1: me, I've been divorced like sixty <laughs> two times.
2: Well, you married a stranger, one of them. So yeah, right. I was married for six. Yeah,
3: days. okay, okay, okay. We don't have time for that. Story
0: again. <laughs>
2: You're squirreling in the archives, dude.
1: All right, let's get today's guest in here. Are we ready? Yes. yes. All right. Today's guest has been playing music. I'll say professionally since she was nine years old. Her band, Skating Polly, are true artists that cross genres musically, play with fierce honesty and energy, and their origin story is both bewildering and totally badass. Youthful inspiration to my old cynical middle age heart. Let's <laughs> invite in here, Kelly Mayo. Kelly, what's up? Hey.
2: Hey Kelly.
1: Welcome, welcome. Hey, can I tell you a story real quick? Yes. So I belong to this um, Skating Polly group on Facebook. And I gotta tell (laughs) you, man, your fans, very rarely do I see fans as dedicated and as loyal and as fervent as Skating Polly fans. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, maybe every 12, 15 episodes, if I know someone's coming on that has a good fan base, I'll take some questions. I'll put something up for fan questions. So I said, hey, we're having mm-hmm. Kelly on, blah, blah, blah. You want to leave some questions? I think I got in over my head because it was an explosion. And <laughs> and not just like lame questions, like That's... really thoughtful questions. Your fan base, really? I mean, it's just insane. <laughs> and it just shows how important a band is to people. And I just have to imagine it has to be humbling and also like a little overwhelming, right?
3: <laughs> no, no, it's it's, yeah, it's really cool. We have... Some really generous fans, yeah, like fans who have like done all the research, and I don't know who hit me up with these ideas. Like, I think you should do a record where Kelly, you sing all the Peyton songs, and Peyton sings all the Kelly songs. But, you know, like I don't know, just it's cool. There's it, it makes me very very happy, and they're also like from all over the place and all different ages, and male and female and
1: trans. I mean,
3: yeah, it just makes me feel special. I mean,
0: the fan. I
1: love that group. Um, I got to give a shout out to Terry Jack, who runs that group, and all of the great people in there, because it's been a lot of fun being in that um, mm-hmm. Facebook group. But like I said, I j- I just until I joined that group, I knew you had a dedicated fan base, but I didn't realize how deep it ran until I started talking to the, some of the people in that group, and people love skating Polly. <laughs> okay, cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've not been on Facebook for. A few years. Well, I'm still kind of on it, but it's like a thing where, like, I only do it through the browser on my phone. I don't have the Facebook app. Right. And ah. Honestly, like all social, all social media can can like lend itself to that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I do know about the skating poly Facebook group, and it's actually there's been a couple times where I've just been online and they've like tagged our official skating poly page and I've like clicked it and they'll like share an article before I knew the article was, was released or some photos or something. And so it's funny, like how it actually helps me out sometimes. Like, Oh,
1: cool. I there you go. This. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's got to be a good feeling. All right, before I get too backed up here, I've got to talk about your history. I'm going to talk a lot about your history tonight mm-hmm. because your band history, Skate & history, is absolutely fascinating to me. And like I said in the intro, it's fascinating a little bewildering. Bewildering. I don't know why I'm trying to say that word. Bewildering. <laughs> because just how it all works logistically, Skate & just to give some background, formed 10 years ago this Halloween when the band started You started with your stepsister, of course, Peyton, Um, who was 13 Mm -hmm. at the time. You were only nine years old. Nine. Nine. And I saw some (laughs) of the videos, those original videos, and it's adorable, but it also makes my middle-aged brain explode. Because at (laughs) nine years old, I was, like, eating my boogers and playing with G.I. Joe dolls. Like, there was no way doing anything like this would would even be on my radar. I was still playing...
3: I was still probably, like, eating my boogers and playing, not with G.I. Joe dolls, but, like, we were really obsessed with, like, WWE wrestling dolls.
0: Hey, there you go. I mean,
3: like, (laughs) it's just, like, I just put one more thing on my plate, you know, decided to be in a rock band. It's not that different.
1: But the wherefall (laughs) that you had to actually write these songs, I know um, Peyton was kind of resistant at first. And as soon as she cracked that door, you're like, here's three new songs, let's go. So kind of walk us through how this all started, the Halloween show that really launched Skating Polly, and your mind frame. When you look back 10 years ago to your mind frame as a 9-year-old, artistically, has that mind frame changed much?
3: Um, I mean, has it changed much? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'm still, like, I kind of have very similar dreams. I think uh, when I was 9, like, I both, wouldn't have ever guessed we would actually do the things we're doing and expected to like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I always like one of the memories that jumped out at me is like right after me and Peyton picked our band name, uh, we like sat down and we were like, Well we've we've got to practice our signature because we're little and that has to look good and professional <laughs> in case anyone <laughs> ever asked. And so like we like sat down and practiced doing our signature and Peyton's signature has actually gotten a lot cooler and like looks like an adult signature. But I would say mine still looks like that
1: nine-year-old Kelly's signature. <laughs> Making
3: sure all the letters are legible, which like, isn't a very punk rock thing to do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, mine is far from calligraphy. Mine is, you. Dee can tell you, you can barely make mine out. It is literally, I can't read it. It's scribble. Odell, have you ever seen my signature? It's a scribble yeah. mark with a line through it.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, mine, mine, mine's the same way. Mine's a big O scribble and scribble, and my kids are like, "Dad, that's not cursive. What is that?" I'm like, "It is of, cursive."
3: You have to remove, <laughs> like, being a true adult, you know. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. I'm ever gonna get there. I think mine's always gonna be legible. I'm
1: ashamed to say. Um, <laughs> my signature just screams. I ain't got time for this shit, and I yeah. just. <laughs> <laughs> but, but
3: yeah, so I mean, we um. I met Peyton probably. Oh, geez, it's hard to say. Maybe when I was six for the first time. Maybe when I was seven. I mean, her family started hanging out with my family. Okay. And uh, uh, her mom, Amber, was always really into art and music. And from from the get go, like her 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 family liked all the same things my family did. And one thing that made my parents really different is they would always like let me and Curtis from a young age, watch like rated R films and stuff. And I remember like when Peyton and Joe came over, that's that's Joe's brother, like Amber being like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't care. Either. And we we're like, "Yay, we're so cool. Um, <laughs> then my family always had instruments in the house. And uh, actually, so they, they, all, never,
2: they always pushed for this then. They, they were, cause you know, I mean, and Nick can talk to this, like, you know, if we were to go about being like, "Hey, we want to be in a band, and and we like we like this and we like that," our you know, at that time, at nine and four, nine and thirteen or nine <laughs> and fourteen, our family would be like, "Boy, you need to go and join the Cub Scouts and learn how to tie a knot." But it's like, <laughs> you know, but you guys seem like your parents were like really supportive of you guys doing this.
3: Yeah, they just. They were like such big art fans and that was like something that my family kind of revolved around was like, just like appreciating all this art and going to concerts at a really young age. Like we went to see Kimmy Dawson live at a potluck Mm. house show in somewhere in Texas. I can't even remember, but like the, the way to get in was you had to bring a dish, a vegan dish. And, uh, we went there and I was I loved Kimmy Dawson's music. I like Giants was like my favorite song. Oh, and I she's ended up great. Like to, to play charades with her, like in the living room of that house. Wow. I was like so bored waiting for the music to start. Who wants to play charades with me? And Kimmy Dawson did, and then she played, and it, it was a really cool show. She um, is a
2: sweetheart, like man.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I saw her. Yeah. Her and Aesop Rock, uh, you know, had to have a, a little thing they do, and, and it was a small project. Yes, and it was a small crowd at the nine thirty club, and you would have thought it was a you would have thought it was a little house show, the way the, yeah. uh, she w- related to the crowd.
3: Yeah, no, I I totally believe that. Yeah, she's
2: definitely one of my heroes.
3: But yeah, I don't know. I I came sure they 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 just wanted to make it very accessible for us to have art, and if we wanted to make art, whether that was like painting or drawing or. Like running like improv skits in the living room with our other siblings, which which we used to do, which was really fun. Like, I mean, we could do it. We could make music if we wanted to do it. So it always just felt so. That's depressing. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the art that we were like watching or listening to or you know appreciating was like it was on usually on the spectrum of like minimalistic or or abstract or or messy. You know what I mean? So it. There was a lot of music like that that we were listening to, so it felt very tangible. I mean, Bikini Kill, you know, that's what's just right. simplest, right? Oh. It's, but it's authentic and it's pure and it's passionate. Same with Babes and Toyland, yeah. So
2: the Muffs were like wanted, that too. Like, One of my other favorite. favorites.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: totally.
1: Yeah. yeah, And that's so important. And I mean, I can't imagine being a creative type today and you have like really strict conservative Trump parents. It seems like it would be stifling and they wouldn't like there's no way you could create in that environment. And I it, 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 there's this push and pull. Right. Because if you come from a really turbulent household like I did, I came from a very fucked up family. And it took me till I was in my 30s to undo the damage of my childhood and actually start putting things together. But I had so much pain And so much like rage and creativity in me. I feel like it was really easy for me to start writing songs and putting things together. But if you come from an environment like you guys did, where you have a very supportive family, then you can kind of forego like the 10 years I spent just drinking and being an idiot, trying to figure (laughs) things out on my own. Because I was like homeless at 18 and just a mess and fighting cops and all this stupid shit the first like 25 years of my life. So, I mean, it's like anything else. There's a push and pull there. And I used to always make this joke back in the 90s when cloning was, like, first being considered. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to, like, when they have cloning, I'm going to make, like, 20 Nick clones. And I'm going to put them all in good households. And when they all turn out to be, like, lawyers and doctors, I'm going to say, see, Dad, see what a shitty parent you were? It's not me. Because all the <laughs> Nick clones that are in good households turned out to be functional. And like my 22-year-old angst. Another great memory, too. And this goes to you. And I just started thinking about this when I was digging into your history. I specifically remember, and I don't know if this was when you were in our band, Odell, or if it was Paco. Mm -hmm. But I remember after band practice, we would drink and get high and sit around and just bounce crazy ideas off each other. And we were talking Mm -hmm. about, yeah, man, we're like our parents' age, like old, like we are now. Like, well, we're old. (laughs) I wonder what music will be like. And I remember specifically saying, dude, my favorite band might not even be born yet. And fast forward 20 years later, and here I am talking to you. (laughs)
2: There you go. It's a full circle. There you go. Right?
0: (laughs)
1: That makes me happy. Yeah. So let's keep digging into your history because logistically, and like I said, I'm fairly obsessed with this because it's just so crazy to me. When you're performing music, 9, 10, 11 years old, putting out albums, how is that affecting your school life like is are your school friends like oh my god you're in a rock band like how are you even juggling school with going on the road and putting out albums like where was curtis during all this that he wasn't in the band like kind of give me like from nine to 15 before you moved to Tacoma. okay kind of give me that era like how are you juggling all this
0: so
3: so how i remember it like the school reaction to skating quality is when i was eight my parents got a divorce and shortly after that like we started we we moved in with, with Peyton's family like Amber moved in and stuff and we all moved to Edmond which was like this suburb of Oklahoma City like very like conservative and white and like I don't know just it, very Christian which is nothing against like you know just but I'm just trying to kind of paint a picture you know. Right, right. I get it. Mm-hmm. Me and Peyton uh me and Baton just it made us feel like we wanted to be punk rock so bad now that we had to live there. like we would go to this park and we would listen to Lou Fair's fucking Run and we would like <laughs> and earbud and we would sing the lyrics as loud as we could, and again, like nine and fourteen. I mean, yeah, so I went to the school for fourth and fifth grade there that I hated. And I loved all the teachers. I was, like, such a teacher's pet. And I got really good grades. But, like, every kid I went to school was hated me. And uh, I would just, like, run around the playground, like, singing songs, like, writing songs on the playground. And, and things didn't really take, you know, we weren't doing that much at 9 and 10. We were playing some local shows, which were the biggest deal in the world to us. And uh, it was a big deal for me to get into this art school for middle school that you had to, like, apply to. And you had to be, like, have good grades to get in. And it. this
1: was in Oklahoma City, the art school was?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up getting into it and thinking that like, yeah, I have escaped, And everyone's going to think I'm cool because I'm in a band. And, like, some people thought I was cool. But, like, the same things that matter, you know, I, I thought that what, what, like, coolness points would be in middle school and high school were, like, it was like in the coolest band but it's pretty much just like you know who's wearing the coolest thing from hot topic and like, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like yeah who's the most damaged like those are the cool kids like it's not it doesn't have anything to do with that so i while i did find some of my friends and some people appreciated my band in middle school a lot of people just did not like me because i was kind of a weird outsider there too um and I really wanted to leave middle school as soon as possible, but instead, my school told me that like I could take off as much as I wanted for touring, and they were really understanding. So, I one day I missed like 56 days of school, or one year. Oh, days of school. Yeah, they're just insane. And then for eighth grade,
1: well, uh, I probably missed that many days in a year of high school myself, but that's because I was a fuck up, not because I was doing anything cool like you. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was it was really cool. It was so cool in my school to be understanding of that, like, and to have teachers that were not trying to be, like, you loser.
0: <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> and then in eighth grade, I started doing homeschooling because I begged to get out of school because I hated everyone I went to school with. And then shortly after that, uh, I ended up getting cast in this pilot, and then I had to get my GED for the pilot. So then I'm kind of a seventh grade dropout.
2: Wow, whoa, that's, that's
3: no, not really. I'm
2: not really doing a great job, though. Yeah, I a, but,
1: <laughs> but that, that is just the path that you've taken is so interesting yeah. to me. It takes so much like intestinal fortitude and just like single minded focus. My hat's off, too. That takes a lot of inner strength, I think.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank well, to all three of you guys, because it's like, I mean, Nick and I, we've been in a handful of bands, and, and the fact that you guys started So Young One and two you're still together and you still thoroughly enjoy it that's that's man that's a feather in, in the cap seriously because i mean relation I, I was in a band um that you know two other people were dating and i'll and i'll never forget this i remember when they first started dating i was like <laughs> i was like don't mess this up you know i was like don't mess this up and like it went for like three four years and of course relationships happen and they ended up breaking up and of course I was you know in the middle of it and and everything ended but you guys are just like siblings so it's like how does that dynamic work because I know you guys aren't I know siblings I had a younger one and I have three kids uh older son and two daughters so I know how that works out so how do you guys handle that?
3: Well, it's funny that you mentioned the dating thing, because when people ask me this question, I'm always like, well, we're not going to, like, date and break up, so that's nice.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but,
3: um, yeah, I mean, of course, there's, there's like, stupid, stupid fights that we get in. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> frequently, because, yeah, we're siblings. But but we're, and, and it, it, it is kind of complicated, because not only are we just siblings, but we're really close siblings, too. We're pretty much each other's best friends. We tell each other, like, all of our personal drama. I am um, I used to be, like, shocked whenever I found out that, like, not all siblings were super, super tight like that. But we're actually very, very tight. And then we're also kind of, like, working together in this way. Um, and we live together, so we can bug each other to work on 24 hours of the day. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, like, I don't know, it's funny, we just had this this tour through Canada where we to most of the shows would be like seven hour drive time. Which wouldn't be wow. terrible, but we were playing really late shows and we gotcha. would have really earned. So we would like we'd get like four hours of less or less of sleep every night, consistently. There was one night in a week's time that we got more than seven hours of sleep. So it was just like crazy. And we uh-huh. were so cranky like i have never seen us be so cranky towards each other and i remember like freaking out and just being like everybody hates me like maybe this is the end of the band and then like we came home uh for a second like got some sleep and then like the next day i was like man like the things we were getting cranky about were like i don't know (laughs) like who gets to order first from taco bell and like just really stupid stuff and we were all like kind of just like, I'm really sorry about that. And, you know, they were like, I'm really sorry about that too. We just didn't have enough sleep, you know. And we were like, yeah, I know. And it was just like we felt so stupid for like taking these things so personally because like, you know, siblings, the littlest things in the world seem like, I don't know, you're throwing a dagger at their eye.
1: Um, <laughs> well, let me also ask because I'm really interested in this. Where was Curtis during that first time period, like between nine and fifteen? Was he playing in other bands? Did he have no interest in playing music? What What took him till I don't know when it was 2016, 2017 to jump on board with skating Polly? Uh
3: no, Curtis was always very into music. I mean, Curtis always knew more bands and songs than I did, and also like I mean watch documentaries about him he was very into our band he was so 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 supportive um I I when we first started he was kind of always like thinking that he was going to start a band with some kids from like his middle school or something you know what I mean or and then he went through like phases of thinking that maybe he wanted to be like a director or like I don't know so he's just into different things but he always played guitar and like continued to create and he was in like, three bands in high school that were all okay. actually really cool. Um,
1: so how did he finally join Skating Polly, then?
3: When we did New Trick, um, like, the EP with Nina and Louise from Veruca Salt,
1: mm-hmm. we were
3: writing these songs that had, like, bass and guitar and drums. Like, you know, which was just opened up the door a poss- to so many possibilities. Like, having more than one instrumental part going on over drums (laughs) to sing over as well. And me and Peyton loved writing that way so, 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 so much. And we didn't really, we came back home from writing that EP and, like, mastering it and stuff, and we tried to play the songs, just the two of us, and we didn't really like it. And also, we kind of just missed getting to write like that with with at least three people. I mean, we were writing with four people. And I was just like, man, it would be so great if we had, like, I don't know, a drummer or a person to play bass while I'm playing guitar or a person to play guitar while I'm playing bass, you know? And it just seemed really obvious that we could ask Curtis because he'd always, like, I don't know, given me, like, advice on songs or I'd come to him, you know, asking if something was good enough and he'd, like, giving me the best pep talks and he'd always been fact, so encouraging of our band. And I was really scared that he going to, like, reject me and be like, no, I, like I, I can make a better band than you. But he was, he was very, very excited. That's
1: amazing. No sibling That's rivalry awesome. or anything like that, right?
3: No, yeah. Like, he just was totally on board and, like, excited and encouraging. and It made me so happy because I always felt like, oh, man, if Curtis ever gets a band together, it's going to be way cooler than, like, mine. Like, if they can just, like, you know, stay to, stay together for a long enough time. Like, because Curtis got his shit together. So having Curtis on the team, I think it really brought us, brought us to the next level. I mean, we, we just, We've done so many new things, like, in the the songs, but I I don't know.
1: I, I just think it's gotten a lot better all around. <laughs> well, let's talk about that second phase, because you guys in 2015 moved to Tacoma, Washington. I guess by then you had already gotten your GED. Were you, did your parents move out there, or did you and just the band, like, did you and just Peyton, yeah. I guess, at that time move out there? What was that yeah. whole experience? Our parents moved out,
3: like, our whole family um Moved out here, and about four years ago or something—I can't exactly remember—and um and yeah, so that we all moved out here, and um I don't know. That's what, I guess that's kind of that. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> been up here. I still visit Oklahoma a lot to go see my mom and my other okay. relatives down
2: there. Is there a big is- difference between between T- Tacoma and Oklahoma, like the music scenes, or is it? Cause I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear Oklahoma, they, you know, they don't picture like this really cool indie scene, but there's a lot of really good there, bands that come out of
3: th- definitely th- those. definitely cool bands that out of yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, since we've moved up here, we have not really been here a lot. Like, okay. it's sounds ridiculous, but I have not got to know the local scene. I've kind of got to know the Seattle scene and we've, I mean, every time we play, you know, locally, uh, we're pretty much playing Seattle. We've played Tacoma once. So I don't really know the Tacoma scene, but I love, like, the local businesses we frequent around here. And I don't know. It is just a very different vibe, like, actually being able to walk to stores, like, from your house. We, we used to live where the nearest thing was, like, two miles away. And it was a walk on the side of the highway through, like, a bunch of weeds, essentially. So it's very different in that regard. I mean, it's like, being so close to like a major city but you know i have i have beef with with like i have some beef with like the oklahoma scene but all in all like there were a lot of really great bands that from the get-go were so supportive of me and Peyton and treated us like a real band didn't try to be like oh but this is a kid band like go play some 18 below showcase like they were really supportive and letting us open for them and treating us like real artists and wanting to write songs with us and stuff. Wow.
1: So that That's was, cool. That was That's awesome. really cool.
3: And when we started touring and stuff more, like, I don't know, like some people got bitter and jealous and saying, like, the only reason anyone liked them is because they're young. So, eh. mm. <laughs> Yeah. And then
0: yeah. It'd be, like, yeah.
3: weird because, like, I'd be friends with them on Facebook. So it's like, oh. Hey, dude, uh, I guess
1: we should not be friends on Facebook. I mean, I don't know. well, that's kind of <laughs> similar to we grew up with Good Charlotte and you remember, Odell, like all the hype because they were twins and they were so young and when yeah. they started doing yeah. that HF Festival stuff. So, yeah, not that I'm yeah. comparing the two because Skating Poly is, in my opinion, light years away from Good Charlotte musically. Oh, yeah. I've never actually listened to them. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Yeah, you're you're good.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: All right. Let's take some fan questions. Let me do this one from Eric Jarvis. One of the great <laughs> things about skating poly is your sound keeps developing by adding new facets and influences. Is there anything you guys are listening to right now we can expect to hear echoes of over the next year?
3: Hmm. I mean, I've been really obsessed with Mitski. Um like for a while now. Uh, and what else have we been really, really into? I mean, Curtis used to write all these songs about Ableton, kind of like like beats and stuff, like what really like, obscure like folds. And so not rap songs or any of that, but it's been interesting. Me and Curtis have been just kind of like doing these songs completely for fun. With, like, his Ableton beats and me singing just, like, random stuff over. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's what's going to be on the next record, but that's something that we've been doing, I don't know, as, as, like, phase one of our ride and started in that sense. Um, Because we have been really inspired by, like, St. Vincent and Mitski. Um, Who else, though? We're super, super into culture abuse. We played a show with them in San Diego, and we just, like, fell in love with their most recent record. Okay. Um, And there was someone... Oh, geez. Oh, White Reaper we really love. I don't know. I mean, I guess we're constantly kind of finding people. Peyton was hooked on Phoebe Bridgers. Um, Peyton, like, has, like, a photo of Phoebe Bridgers, like, right next to her bed. And I know (laughs) that, like, she kind of wants to do more, yeah, like, quieter songs like that and stuff. Um, so... (laughs)
1: All right, let me ask this, because this is something I was going to ask you about anyways, but I got a couple questions dealing with this. James uh, J. Orr, please ask when a new album is dropping or if it is in the works, writing new songs, etc. I think this is something everybody wants to know.
0: (laughs) Um, So the deal
3: is, like, Flyer and Playhouse weren't part of the next album. They were just like, let's put some more songs out there, because, you know, we put out make it all show in twenty eighteen, let's put out something this year. So we we wrote those songs and we recorded them and of course we recorded them with Brad Woods because he's the best.
1: Um
3: and yeah, the new album we're constantly writing, like I have songs on piano and I have those songs on like Ableton. Peyton has these demos she's been kind of working on and we've been jamming. Um so it feels like we're always working on the next record. And I have no idea when it's dropping yet because you know, we haven't recorded anything, and we haven't like, yeah, come up with this body like body of twelve songs that like are done. Mm-hmm. So I guess just keep your eyes peeled. We also have two covers that that we recorded at the same time, The Playhouse and Flyer, that we're going to drop very soon.
1: Nice. Are you a map everything out? And, oh, I've got to top the last album or do something completely different. Or are you a get into the studio and just whatever organically happens, we're just going to let it take it where take us where it takes us?
3: I I can be both. On the last album, I was kind of more like trying to map it out. Like we actually wrote that whole album with all these like ties where the songs would like kind of bleed into each other or reference the one that was about to come. So I wrote that album in an order, like this planned out order. (laughs) And then we got to the studio and we recorded all the songs and then we actually ended up changing the order because we just liked a different order better. Um, But I, I definitely get in my own head like, oh, this needs to be a lot different and this needs to be just better. At least better to me. I don't really care if everyone else thinks it's better. I mean, that'd be cool, but... It needs to be, like, better to me. And the only way for me to do that is to just, like, learn a bunch of tricks and put them in there that I've I've never done before or um, write in a way that I've never written. On that album in particular, like, all the songs were very personal and vulnerable, and I was pretty open about it. Like, I'd write in character, but I wasn't, I don't know. Usually there'd be a lot more, like, metaphor and symbolism and in this case i was kind of like yep here's a song about a shitty relationship yep here's a song about me being obsessed with a person yep here's a song about my depression yep here's it so you know yeah i and and then for flyer and playhouse i was kind of like oh i just wrote this like the most like personal emotional thing i've ever written so what can i do for the next two songs right. And i was like well how can i do one song that's just really like about some crazy just like wild night which was playhouse and it has like a very like just straight ahead structure because that's another thing I would like worry about topping myself with song structures like that's too boring like verse chorus verse chorus you can't do that anymore I've already done that which is a little bit crazy because
0: <laughs> most
3: songwriters in the history have ever are gonna go back to that structure at some point
1: right right <laughs> uh,
3: so I was like so that one can be straight ahead but flyer flyer needs to be crazy so and personal so we made flyer about that <laughs> and the structure is crazy
1: but is every to you kind of like is every album like birthed a different child and you don't compare them to each other or do you go back and look at albums from seven or eight years ago and go oh man what were we thinking or do you not compare um, them to each other
3: i think i do compare them a little bit but i don't know it's I, yeah it, it feels like it just, it's stories from a different part of my life. It's almost just more like looking at like a photo album of yourself. So, like, sometimes you can be like, God, like, I was so awkward and I really shouldn't have
2: uh-huh.
3: done with this thing. But then at the end of the day, you're kind of like, <laughs> oh, or, like, or, like, or, or like, kudos to me for doing that. Like, cool. I mean, a lot of the really early stuff I'm proud of. But if you catch me like on an off day, I, I can be really like self critical and just like, I don't know. I guess kind of self conscious about it, but if I were to listen to it right now, I'd be pretty fucking proud of it that I went out there and did that. And like, it'd be something that I want all the young girls I know to feel like they can just be in a band and not have to overthink lyrics and just go for something. And
0: right
2: on, their head. yeah. And that was where, and that's where I was going to go with. It's like, and it's and it's sort of a unique situation for you too because you start. I mean, you started writing at a, such a young age, so you know a lot of people when they look back at their music they're looking back at their music from like 18 19 20 21 but you're looking back at it from like 9 10 11 12 all the way up to now um, what is that like it? i mean I, I i like you were saying i know you've grown and 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 you should, darn well should be proud of what you did when you're younger but how does that look as you you're becoming more of an adult now you're actually you are adult, but you're like now the, the the nerd. You're like out there and you're playing shows like all the time, and and there's more of a business aspect now that you you know that you're here doing this now. How does that mm-hmm. how how how's that growth been for you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I put more pressure on myself with everything we do and like every milestone we hit. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's one thing that, like, I'll look back on our old albums and actually be quite envious of is that I wouldn't overthink things and I could just, you know, very, like, stream of conscious, like, let things out. And uh, and now I'll, I'll get more in my head, like, well, I, I, cause I don't really care if people think something's weird or annoying or too poppy or too screamy. Like, none of right. that bothers me. <laughs> what yeah. I get in my own head about and care way too much about is, like, does it seem lazy? Does it seem like I'm trying hard enough? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I get
3: way too in my own head about that because because there's this obvious growth. Like, even if people don't like it, even if people insist that they like the two chord songs up the first album more than anything else we've ever done, like, there's an obvious growth. Like
1: Right, we, there we, has we, to we, be. We're using more chords, mm-hmm.
3: we just became better musicians, we, we're using bigger words, we're, you know, harmonizing off of each other, we're layering, we're, you know, referencing things. I... It, there's just it, it's pretty undeniable and so it's weird to be kind of at this point where i don't know i mean sure we can <laughs> we can go like run guitar drills and i don't know learn some <laughs> like led zeppelin songs but for the most part there's not gonna be objective growth anymore you know what i mean it's kind of it's also yeah. like and just where we go as an artist and we're like cause, we're grown
0: <laughs> but
3: i'm but i always that's something that that kind of eats away at me is like i always want to do new things so that's kind of like my promise to any skating poly fan is we're never gonna just like throw the talent and like do the same thing because we're scared that we'll lose fans otherwise we're always going to be changing and like
1: because that that's how we grow
2: you know it's yeah that's absolutely kind of yeah. Yeah. that's important die. that's very important that's really important
1: all right, let's take a couple more fan questions. Gern Glenson, what is your favorite Zappa songs or albums?
3: Man, Curtis would be so much better at this. Um, <laughs> I like I like the San Francisco song. And I like the Yellow Snow song. But I think I like that, 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 come to San Francisco. That one's my favorite. Because, um, like, that that's where I get, where me and Kurt, Peyton give Curtis a lot of, like, flack. Like, I like Frank Zappa and I like Captain Beef Heart, but like, like me and Curtis, me and Peyton also go like, Curtis, stop. Like, you can't just like play a bunch of Elliot Smith and then like throw a Frank Zappa. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) 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 But but I love it. And it's like this, like, it's totally this. I don't know. It holds a very special place in my heart because it's like being goofy as hell with my brother and my brother's friends and my mom's attic.
1: (laughs) All right, let's take one more. Christopher Woodruff. um, they have some great songs, Arms of Opinion, A Little Lay, Cosmic Skull, Across the Caves, that use a keyboard. Is there just logistics of bringing a keyboard, or is there a different reason they are not often done live? So I guess he's asking why you don't often yeah. use keyboards live.
3: Yeah, no, it is, it is actually because of logistics and stuff. I mean, we still tour in a minivan. Like, we bought a minivan, and that's what we just tour in. And we tried to do a trailer before, but then we, like, played a couple shows with Deerhoof and we saw that like all eight of them still ride in the minivan. Like, there's not- <laughs> but they, but they tour with the sound guy and, and all of their gear. And we were like, okay, if they can do it, like we can do it. Um, But yeah, traveling with that keyboard, like there's literally no space for it. And then also it's just like what it does to the set time. I love writing songs on keys. I actually just spent like a few months, uh, living with one of my friends who does our videos and his wife who has MS. And Mm -hmm. so I was like every day doing like these piano lessons with her for cognitive therapy. And I loved it. Like, I don't know, it was really nice. And then I was just focusing a lot more on piano and like getting to learn all these fun songs, like kind of as homework assignments, but also kind of as my job. So it was cool. Um, (laughs) There you go. And I have a rule, kind of, for albums, like every album, every skating party album, I have to at least have one piano song. So we're probably gonna keep writing them. And for special shows where we where we have a long set length, we're gonna like bust out keyboard because I love doing that. Or if they're acoustic shows, but yeah, if we have like a 45 minute set, we already switch a couple times. Like I switch over to guitar to play Camelot and Hail Mary, and then Curtis switches up to guitar for their cheap or hey, sweet or album movies. And it's just, like, a lot of switching and a lot of gear and not that much time. So it kind of gotcha. it hurts the set, you know.
1: The flow. I got gotcha. you. All right, we're going to play some Queen for a Day and then come back and get you out of here. Um, Queen for a Day, anything you want to tell us about this song before we play it? And this was really special because
3: x Zavinka Javinka from X, like, sent me the lyrics to this song on a whim. She was like, Oh wow. Hey. Here are some lyrics, and if you want to do anything with them, you can.
0: And wow. It was the first
3: we uh, wrote, wrote <laughs> for our last record, and uh, it really was just born out of getting that text message while we were practicing. And I was like, "Hey, instead of practicing our set, we should work on this." So, like, pretty quickly, I banged out those like three chords, and we just like started working on it and I'm building on it and I'm building on it. Um, but yeah, it's about this like really messed up game show from the 50s and 60s called, uh, maybe it's actually called Queen for a Day. Yeah, called Queen for a Day. And it was basically like these women with these really sad life stories would come on and like exploit their vulnerability to like get sympathy. And then they would like play like a crowd applause meter. And whoever got like the most applause would get whatever she asked for. So like someone would come up and be like, well, my husband just died. Or like, oh, my children are sick. Or, oh, I just lost my job and all my money.
0: That it, is crazy. They,
3: they'd ask for one thing, like, can I just have a washer? Can I just have uh, a refrigerator? You know, whatever. And only one person would get it, and the rest of them would go home. And I I thought it was so messed up and crazy, and I've watched a couple episodes of it, and we were talking about it one time, and X-Men sent me all these lyrics. And then I kind of also realized, like, that was almost the theme of this record. It was like going in, we were like, let's just be as vulnerable and realize we can't. So it was like kind of like we were exploiting our own vulnerability to just, you know, as another way to get our art out there.
1: Did that um, feel therapeutic so and, like, cathartic Definitely. to get that out there like that?
3: Definitely, yes. Because I think in the past I've been a little bit scared that people could, like,
1: use
3: personal songs or, or personal messages in my, in my songs against me. And now I'm not so worried about that because I just don't really at the end of the day, like, what can someone do to me or say to me? And I'm going to be right. honest in my because because also, I started listening to a lot of artists who are really, really frank about their personal lives and their emotions, and those people resonate with me the most, and they make me feel strong, so if I can do that for anyone else, like, I'm, I'm going
1: to, you know, like... <laughs> Alright, let's <laughs> okay. play some Queen for a day, and we'll be
0: right back. I'm the bass of the bar Stop, I'm torn up I'm gonna think myself silly Should be on the way
1: Um, Base with you on speaking of Queen of um, Queen for a Day and all of that is your videos are a huge component of skating Poly, and you've been doing them for so long. For you as an yeah. artist, how important is that component of the video making process?
0: Yeah, no,
3: it's like one of my favorite parts. It's, a, well, it's like one of my favorite parts and like my like arch nemesis because I feel <laughs> like I I'm. I'm I feel like I, I ran out of video ideas a long time ago, but then they keep coming to me, so it's okay. But I'm always like, oh, I don't wanna do another video. Like, what are we gonna do? We don't make money, but they, they are a big part of it for me. One of the things that made me fall so hard in love with music in the first place was like dancing around my living room with Curtis, watching music videos. Like my dad had all these DVD compilations of various people's music videos. And um, I always wanted to have my own music video. And it's kind of like acting and it's also just like this like visual art component that I really like, like getting to like pick the clothes and the set design and the prop mm-hmm. and the storyline. It's really cool. It's like mixing all these other art forms that I really love and using that as like, you know, I don't know, like the, the way we get our music out there to most of our fans. Like when, when people come up to me at shows and I ask them like, oh, cool. How would you find out about us then? it's a lot of the times it's like, Oh, I saw one of your videos. I found one someone one of my friends shared one of your videos. Someone posted your video on Reddit.
1: Um And that's another thing you're excellent at. The first video I ever saw from you is They're Cheap, I'm Free. And some of your facial expressions and just the way your stance, the way you present yourself in that video, it's almost hypnotic (laughs) watching you. And just watching the whole band, watching like Curtis and Peyton when like the little la-la-la breakdown and they're just kind of sitting there staring into space going la-la-la-la. Like that, like, it, it is a perfect video. I love that fucking video. And it is it's all about just the, the you just seeing the three of you as a unit doing that and just kind of like walking like almost zombie like meandering around it, it, like i said it's just perfect watching you guys do that it, that visual component magnifies the music so much oh thank you so much
3: yeah yeah cuz it also like it, it has like this this element of like our live show you know at least the videos where we have a section where we play live, you know, um, <laughs> or play, you know, play our, playing our instruments. Um, so no, we, we all really enjoy it and we usually have like quite a bit of feedback and what the storyline for the video is or, you know, how we should do it. Um, our friend Scott Stucky actually made that one. He's one of our favorite people to work with and we were able to do that video with like pretty much no budget and, he just has this amazing team of people who want to help and just want to make fun cool music videos so they did it for free and we like built this set and most of the props were made out of trash literal trash we found
1: yeah that <laughs> video is incredible it's probably in my top 20 music videos ever who did the um
2: who did the classless act uh video
3: uh that was this really cool animation team called glenda and isabella yeah and uh we they messaged us on instagram and they were like hey um we're big fans of yours this is our video we just did for surfboard and um, we're fa- we're fans of surfboard we think they're so mm-hmm. fucking cool And um, we thought that video was so fucking cool so we we're like hell yes um and i i don't know i like how like just kind of like dirty and like ugly their animation style is like i thought it worked yeah. so well. With- skating poly and i was like hey here's a song i always wanted to do a music video for in this last album but we haven't got a chance to what you want to do classes act and also it's like the most political song and i thought like i don't know i thought they could have fun with that so
1: in this day and age do you see skating Polly getting more political with your lyrics or are you trying to distance yourself from that because it's just such a toxic shit show it, like once you yeah. get sucked into it it just brings everything down
3: I have political commentary and outside of the actual songs, and in the songs too. Like there's, there's references to my, uh, disdain for the political state of things all over the make it all show. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. You're all incorporated. So yeah, I mean, of course.
3: Yeah. But, uh, I just, and I'm, and I'm all for like writing songs like that whenever they come to me and I, and I do want, and we always like want to play, love to play like fundraisers and you know what I mean and like and post things and encourage people to get registered to vote but I feel like if you set yourself up and maybe it's just because I'm not creative enough but I feel like if you set yourself up to only write politically you can kind of you're like putting yourself in a box a little bit and also it's just harder to make like lyrics that haven't been said before and you know what I mean? And things that don't sound preachy. Like even if you're on the right team, it's hard not to sound preachy and cheesy and just.
1: Obviously. Amen to that. Like, that's that's true. true. And Odell can tell you back when I did the ignorance equation, I'll never forget this. I went to our friend's wedding and we were hanging out at the reception and they were like, Ignorance equation guy, go on a political rant. And I was like, dude, I'm at a wedding. And they're like, tell me about this political thing. I was like, you understand that I have more interest outside of political stuff. Just because I do a political podcast and write for a political site doesn't mean I just sit in a room like shackled to a desk just looking at fucking political stuff all day, right? Like I (laughs) collect comic books and I love music. And they're just like, dance, political monkey, dance. And yeah. like it was one of the things that kind of got me out of the political world, along with all the hate and toxicity of it, was this idea that I did get shoved into a political box where I would meet people and they either wanted to challenge me, like, let's have a political debate. Well, I'm at dinner at Red Lobster I don't with my family. I don't really want to debate you. <laughs> or it was just kind of like, tell me your political opinion on this. And I don't know. It, like, you're absolutely right. I, I allowed myself to really get shoved into a box. And it sucked.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think when when people do it right, it is really, really cool and effective. And so, like, I plan on, that's probably not going to be the last, like, outwardly political song we write. Um, I'm sure right. we're going to write more. But I don't, you know, I I always go back to this, like, Babes and in Toyland interview I saw. When I was first getting like really into what I thought was Riot Girl, which like a lot of people I thought was like every girl band from the nineties.
1: Right from
3: Toyland. <laughs> and I watched this Babe from Toyland interview and they were saying that they're not Riot Girl and she's like, Well, I don't wanna have to write songs about feminism all the time just because I'm a girl. And exactly. it Exactly like, broke my heart. At the time I was like, What the hell, Kathy Ellen? Like, you gotta be fighting the good fight but then I realized, like, no, like that's not really fair. Like, just because I because she's a girl doesn't mean she should have to constantly be making, like, you know, big social statements. And the same goes for, you know, anyone of color or, like, trans people. Like, that's not your job. Like, you have just as much right as, like, a white guy to just write songs that are personal to you. Or songs about, you know, just, like, getting fucking drunk or songs, you know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> silly just, songs. You've got to be silly, too. Absolutely. Well, all right, let me take a couple more questions, and I have one more thing I want to touch base with you on. Uh, This is from Kevin Moore. I play a bass star, and I'm interested in Kelly's, like, what model and string she prefers, and what are your favorite pedals?
3: (laughs) Um, So, so many people would hate me for this, but I'm not a gearhead, so I never know what strings I'm playing. I usually just play the cheapest strings we can get or strings that Fender happens to give us or Ernie Ball or we get from some festival and find backstage. Like, I'm not really picky about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, my bass is a Fender Mustang, and they were kind enough to hook me up with it um, a couple years ago now. And I love it, and it's it's a short scale, and it's awesome, and I can throw it around its light. Um, Oh, my pedals. My yes. pedals have, well, my, like, prized possession is this Boss Hyper Fuzz, and they don't make it anymore, and it's, like, vintage, and if it ever breaks on me, I'm going to break inside because it's my favorite pedal in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes my bass sound kind of like this great in-between of, like, a bass and guitar and just, like, distorted and gnarly, and Louise from Bruce Assault, that was also her favorite pedal back Never salt
0: day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
3: And then okay. I play an Earthquaker levitation pedal, which is just a reverb pedal, and an O C D pedal, and I can't remember who makes that because again I'm terrible gearhead. And then I use a tuner pedal and <laughs> that's that's about the extent of it.
1: <laughs> right on. All right, let's do one more question. John Patterson, does that instrumental song you open your set with, usually before Queen for a Day, does it have a name?
3: No, We just call that the intro. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's <laughs> really complicated because there's actually a skating poly song called "Intro." on our second record. So it's not intro. It's just the intro. Just
0: <laughs> the, the intro, That noisy intro.
3: shit we do at the beginning. <laughs> That's an important <laughs>
1: distinction. All right. um, Halloween is coming up. It is your 10th year anniversary. Coincidentally, yes. D, it is our 10th year anniversary, October
0: 24th. Woo. Yes.
1: So lots of stuff happening in 2009. Um, What do you guys have planned for your 10, um, 10th year anniversary on Halloween?
0: Well, uh,
3: we're finally pressing the third and second records on vinyl. So that's like part of the whole like, yeah, 10 years. I think we're All doing right. like a special 10th year anniversary shirt, maybe some other shit too, but definitely a shirt. And Peyton actually just sent me like an idea for one. And I posted it on Instagram right before this call. It's like the three of us as very, very small children, children in um, various costumes, which, which is fitting. Cause you know, Halloween. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, another big thing is we're playing this 10th anniversary show in Seattle at the VR Project, which is an all ages venue. Um, And we're going to do songs throughout like, most of our catalog. Like, I think we're even going to do songs probably off the first record. I mean, it's not going to oh, wow. be mostly the record, but we're going to like do songs that we wrote whenever we were like nine and 14, and we're going to. They're going to be like new and improved versions. You know, it's going to be like all three of us on them and it's going to be us in, you know, 10 years older state. But I'm really excited and we're definitely going to have keyboards for that show. And I'm trying to just get people to send me their suggestions of what songs they want to hear. And
1: yeah. (laughs) It's so funny you say that because I was going to pitch this idea that at the 10th anniversary show, you dress in the exact same outfits you wore 10 years ago and just play the songs from 10 years ago, and you're kind of doing that. So...
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Like, so... It's, like, not the 10th anniversary of the first show we ever played. I should say that. Disclaimer. It's the first... It's the 10th anniversary of when we started. Like, Halloween is the 10th anniversary of when we started. Decided, like, hey, we're skating Polly like, played to this, like, crowd of, like, kids we'd invited to our Halloween party and probably didn't want to watch us play music right then, but we made them listen. Um,
1: uh-huh. And
3: so, yeah. So, I mean, and I, I guess we could wear what we were at the first show, but I don't even know. I, oh, God. I think I had, like, oh, I, I doubt I fit any of that, and I don't know where I'd find any of that. And <laughs> and I, the first show is that, yeah, it's on YouTube, but I don't know. I I still want to play some of the more recent songs, too.
1: Do you remember uh, the first song you ever wrote?
3: Um, For Skating Polly? Yeah. I think it was was a song called Don't. And I I ended up letting Peyton, like, sing it. Or or we took, we rotated on vocals. Okay. I think it was that one, and then, ooh, shoot, I can't remember what came after that. I remember like shortly after like Peyton was playing guitar and she picked like four random chords or something. And I wrote some songs like over her playing guitar. And then I realized I was going to have to play drums on those songs. I was pissed because I hated playing drums at first. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All
1: right, let's end with this. I'm going to ask my own fan question. What is success to you? Is it about the journey and just like kind of learning and going through the journey? Or is it more about like making creative choices and having a long-term vision. What do you consider to be success?
0: Yeah, I think it's,
3: I think it is definitely more about just expanding and, and trying tons of different things and, and going to many different places and just keeping the machine going and not not quitting, like being committed to it, you know? And if we can just, you know, if we can keep, like, touching people, like, not touching people, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, 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 emotionally touching people, then that's great. Like <laughs> I having be, an impact I on
2: understand.
3: people. There you go. Be, like exciting and and you know inspiring people. Um, but I don't I don't need to be the biggest band in the world. Like as long as I can just keep doing this until I die <laughs> and trying new things and not hating it, then that right there is success. And that's awesome. I
1: think that's an excellent place to end. It's a very upbeat note. Um, Thank you so much for calling in. Please tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs and what you have coming up here in the near future.
3: Okay, so you can... I think all the tour dates are up at skatingpoly.com. That's like our official website. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Skating Poly. We're about to embark on a European tour we're leaving October 1st for that. Um, and then we're doing the uh, 10th anniversary show, November 2nd in Seattle. And then uh, we're we're going to put out another video. And we have some songs coming, those two covers I mentioned earlier. Probably going to make some more videos. And then we're going to start the recording slash writing process. Sure. Record, nice. So keep your eyes peeled.
1: Do you ever relax? Like, do you ever take just a week off and, like, go into the forest or go to the beach or just sit on the couch and watch TV? Or can you – are you a type of personality can just, like, never stop?
3: Like, like a little – I, I have my, like – I feel like I'm kind of a never stop. But, like, I do, like, spend stupid amounts of time, like, you know – like away from from like working, you know, but then it's still it's still in my mind. <laughs> it's like, you know whenever I'm like on break? I, the wheels are turning,
1: like, okay, but what's the next step? And am I really ready for it? <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> yes. All righty. Well, this has been a complete delight. I want to yeah. thank Gary Jack again. I know the people in the Skating Poly fan group are going to be absolutely delighted with this episode. Thanks so much for spending, man. It's like 80 minutes with us. Thank you so much yeah, for spending thank 80 you 80 so minutes much. Well,
0: thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. This is
1: so much fun. So, yeah. Great great. absolutely. Bye. All righty, guys, we are going to get out of here. Odell, we're going to be back in two weeks. Um, yes. You want to end with anything? We've, we're have we going to be off air for two weeks. Hopefully, write some new articles, do something with the page. Oh, by the way, guys, we have our own website now. I like shut down Tin Can Media and we are at musicalosmosis.com.
2: That's simple. That's simple. Musicalosmosis.com.
1: Right. I'm terrible at ending things. D, I got you. Wanna you. Take I got us you. Out? Oh, Odell's got us this week. All right.
2: Happy pumpkin spice, y'all. Just enjoy <laughs> pumpkin spice. Oh boy, That's we're gonna I get some
1: hate mail for that. <laughs> <laughs>